My name is John. Uh oh. I'm one of the elders here uh, at Solano, and it's good to see you today. Um, it's great to be together. I know we're a little thinner today. Thank you all for being watching at home. We see you today, too. Um, wow, it's good to be here. It's good to be in person when we can. I'm encouraged by this. Um, we're going to read in Zechariah again today. Um, we're going to talk a little bit. might feel a little bit different. I'm going to walk around a little bit also. Put a little pressure on the camera folks in the back. <laughs> and I'm going to put, put a little pressure on you too as well. You're going to have to participate. You might have to talk to the person next to you once or twice, but it'll be, it'll be okay. It'll be safe. Um, I was just thinking about, uh, you know, preaching in Zechariah, and that feels a little bit intimidating to me, to be honest. Um, sometimes the Old Testament can be kind of tricky, right? There's things in the Old Testament that feel different from the New Testament. Um, in the Old Testament, we have, like, miracles that defy science, like how did Jonah survive in the belly of that fish for three days? How's that? I, I can't make sense of that. It doesn't make sense. How's that possible? How's there water covering the whole earth? These things are, like, really hard to believe, right? And then these prophecies, we're reading through all these books at the end of the Old Testament, and they don't totally make sense. Like, we're trying to pull out of them what we can there's other things that are hard in the Old Testament too, like people being struck down by the thousands, by the tens of thousands, by the hundreds of thousands, and God is behind all that and okay with that. It feels kind of difficult sometimes. Sometimes it's a little more comfortable to think about Jesus in the New Testament, right? Jesus is gracious and kind. Jesus is, um, you know, he answers a question with a question. He's healing people all over the place. Um, he's, he's, just, um, he's just very, very meek and gentle and gracious. And, and sometimes those stories are a little bit easier to read about Jesus and those miracles in the New Testament. And yet, the Old Testament is here for us. So I want to ask you before we start, you're going to talk to somebody next to you or around you, how much time have you spent in the Old Testament? What's familiar to you? What's unfamiliar with you, um, to you? And what's challenging about reading the Old Testament to you. Okay, so I'm going to stop talking for about two minutes. Talk to the person next to you. What's challenging about reading the Old Testament? Go.
Okay, maybe 30 more seconds. Wrap up your conversations. Okay, thanks for playing along there. Anybody want to share what was, what's hard, what's challenging about reading the Old Testament for you? Anybody want to share? Anybody feel brave? Yeah, and another challenge even is the, like the chronological, you know, holding that straight because it doesn't, you know, Genesis is the beginning, right? But the end is not the end, really. Somebody else? What's too many names? Too many names. Hard to pronounce. Yeah, it's a different era and a different culture. Yeah. The war and the violence and the things that the Lord says to do are hard to reconcile with today's culture and, and grace and all that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Great, the connections to people and places. Thank you. Maybe one more? I'll just say mine. It's confusing to me. Like these, this whole this whole book that we're in is kind of confusing. There's a lot of things that we have to kind of take our best crack at understanding, and a lot of it we can take benefit from, and some of it is confusing. It's confusing for me, anyway. That's how it is for me. All right. Well, anyway, I think that despite all of those things, the Old Testament is good for us, right? And I have a, a verse that, that's going to show that, that Alan's about to put up. <laughs> can, you skip, can you skip down to the other verse, Alan? <laughs> that one there. It's in 1 Corinthians 10. Now these things happen to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. It happened to them, but it's written for who? It's written for who? It's written for us, right? It happened to them, but it's written for us. We heard that, um, Andrew said that last week, 
It happened to them, but it's written for us. And I find that when we study the Old Testament, um, there are some things that I can see pretty much every time I look at the Old Testament. I learn about God. I learn about his character, his behavior, um, his desires for us. I learn something about myself. I learn something about kind of God's people. Today we would call that the church. And I almost always find this arc, this story arc, that points to Jesus. Okay, so I learned something about God. I learned something about myself and the church. And I see part of the story that points to Jesus. So even while we're in Zechariah again today, and, and we'll take some, some, um, some lessons from Zechariah, I want you to be thinking about those three themes, okay, as we're in Zechariah um, in John chapter 5, it says, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. What, what is Jesus talking about? Which scriptures did Jesus have when he was here? He had the Old Testament, right? And the same thing in, uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 says, As for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. What's the sacred writings? The Old Testament. Which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Interesting. Those sacred writings pointed to Christ Jesus, right? All scripture is breathed out by God. How much of scripture? All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God and woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. All right, so let's read some Old Testament. All right, what book are we in? We're in Zechariah, and Zechariah is a major prophet or a minor prophet? And minor prophet, right? Minor prophet, and minor means less important? No. Minor prophet doesn't mean less important. It just means smaller. Okay, that's, that's all it means. There's major prophets and there's minor prophets. So Zechariah is a minor prophet. Um, I think the, the major ones are the thicker books, like Isaiah, Jeremiah, right? Okay? Um, Zechariah's message, right, was kind of like, okay, everybody, turn back to God. Remember, they're coming back after the exile. And the first half of the book, we had lots of dreams and visions, right, and weird, weird stuff. And now we're coming to, remember, uh, before Easter, we read the verse about the humble king coming in on a donkey, right? And setting up a new kingdom, the messianic kingdom. We've been reading about the rejected shepherd and then God's justice coming, right? And this week is kind of a continuation of that as well. So last week, remember Andrew talked about the, um, the heavy stone, right? The blazing pot and the, the, um, the flame, what's the flame? The flaming torch, right? Flaming torch. So remember, it, all these things, if you don't have them all down yet, that's okay, right? We're learning these things together. We're learning them together. Um, but you can see sort of in chapter 13 that we're continuing the same theme. It keeps saying, and on that day, and on that day, and on that day. So today we're going to see a little bit more about what God says about his people. We'll see how he's going to remove idols and false prophets. We're going to hear more about our shepherd, 
and we'll see a refining of his people. All right, so would you pray with me? Uh, Lord, these, these words on these pages um, sometimes are, are uh, just feel a little distant. They might feel a little bit confusing. The things that happen in the Old Testament are hard to track, maybe hard for us to follow, but Lord, we believe that they are good for us. Um, Father, we want to know who you are. We want to know your heart for us. We believe that you're good, um, even despite these things that are confusing to us that happened many, many, many years ago. Um, we want to declare today that you are good um, and that we need you. We believe that these um, stories and, and these accounts um, from these pro- prophets tell a story that points to Jesus. Um, and so it's our, our privilege um, to learn more about them even today. So would you be with us as we learn uh, today and grow Would you encourage us, convict us, um, give us what we need today? It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. All right, so let's read together. We're in Zechariah chapter 13. Zechariah chapter 13. If you need a Bible, there's one in your, uh, under your seat in front of you. We're in Zechariah chapter 13 and verse 2. And I'm going to try to read that for us. It'll be on the screen as well. And on that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will cut off the names of the idols from the land so that they shall be remembered no more. And also, I will remove from the land the prophets and the spirit of uncleanness. And if anyone again prophesies, his father and mother who bore him will say to him, you shall not live, for you speak lies in the name of the Lord. And his father and mother who bore him shall pierce him through when he prophesies. On that day, every prophet will be ashamed of his vision when he prophesies. He will not put on a hairy cloak in order to deceive, but he will say, I am no prophet, I am a worker of the soil, for a man sold me in my youth. And if one asks him, What are these wounds on your back? he will say, The wounds I received in the house of my friends. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man who stands next to me, declares the Lord of hosts. Strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. I will turn my hand against the little ones. In the whole land, declares the Lord, two-thirds shall be cut off and perish, and one-third shall be left alive. And I will put this third into the fire and refine them as one refined silver and test them as gold is tested. They will call upon my name, and I will answer them. I will say, they are my people, and they will say, the Lord is my God. This is the word of the Lord. All right, so um, there's, there's sort of three sections that I can see here um, in these few verses. Um, the first section sort of talks about, is a continuation that talks about that kingdom that's coming, And then there's a part that talks about the shepherd, and then a part that talks about our refining as well. So uh, I think it was a few weeks ago, Andrew spoke about um, idols and cutting off of idols. Um, And just to remind us, um, we have idols that come from the longings that we have. And all of these longings are are reasonable, but, but we should be finding our identity or, or these, we, we find our, um, 
solution to these longings in God, right? And instead, what we do is we go over to these things on the right, and we replace God with these things here. An idol is anything that replaces God or takes us away from him, right? So just to review that, um, we're not going to spend a bunch more time on that today, but just a reminder there. We'll spend a little bit more time about the false prophets. And, and besides these idols, God wants us on the watch for false prophets. There's, there's coming a day when he's going to remove the false prophets, right? But today, they're still around. We have to watch out for them. Sometimes those false prophets, we think of them as being pretty easy to spot, right? Um, this guy's crazy. This person is not talking about something um, that's honoring to God. That's not what scripture means when they say that. And other times, um, it might be a little more subtle, right? And, and I noticed um, that term, the hairy cloak, right? The hairy cloak. I, I, I'm not sure what the hairy cloak meant at that time, so I Googled it just to check, um, and, and I saw these. So if anybody is wearing these, then we know you know, not to listen, right? I'm just kidding. All right, I couldn't resist. Um, but, but, the, but the hairy cloak implies some sort of deception, right? I think about a wolf in sheep's clothing, for example, um, a false prophet who looks like a prophet, or something that just seems um, harmless or innocuous, but it's sort of a deception, Right? And maybe we can think about what that is. It's probably different for all of us. There's little things that appeal to us that we think are safe and good and maybe wise or clever, right? But they influence us in a way that isn't good for us. And the internet does that, right, in a way that, that books never did. Um, it's easy to follow um, someone with influence when they're very charismatic. Um, when, the, when the show or the production is eye-catching, when the social movement is popular, maybe you live in a part of the country that's culturally relevant and progressive, and it seems okay, but it's dangerous, right? So where are we going? Remember, a prophet is a person that points us to God, right? So where are we going to be pointed to God? Who are our prophets Who's teaching us? Um, I was listening to um, a message from a man named Gabriel Salguero, and, um, and he said, that uh, who, who is discipling you? Everyone is being discipled by someone or something. Everyone is being discipled by someone. Who is discipling you? And so it's great that we're, we're here today and we're, we're here together and maybe you listen to a sermon now and then, or maybe you listen to a podcast or follow a Christian on Instagram, and that's great. Um, who are the other influences in our lives that we're following that we need to be careful about? Everyone is being discipled. Who is discipling you? I feel like one of the guardrails against the false prophets is our community here and being part of a community. When we rub shoulders, when we live life together, it's 
um, it's, it provides a little bit of accountability, right? It provides accountability. When we're isolated, um, if you think about um, social media, we know that social media provides um, like positive feedback. It keeps giving you things that you already like, you already enjoy, right? And so we don't tend to get on social media things that challenge us. We tend to get things that we already like and already believe. And, and when we do that in isolation, then it's not good for us, right? It's good that we have differing viewpoints here. It's good for us to challenge each other and ask each other questions. It helps us to spot those false prophets, those influences in our lives. I even think, um, you know, in, in, in history, horrible things have been done with, with verses in Scripture. Horrible things. And so when someone, even someone from here, throws up one verse on the screen, when you hear a, a verse quoted somewhere, it's good to read the context, right? It's good to understand um, what's happening in that section because evil has been done under the guise of the truth of Scripture, right? Horrible, horrible things. Um, misogyny, slavery, genocide, all of those things happened with folks quoting Scripture. Horrible things. So let's be discerning about the Word of God. Let's be discerning about who is discipling us. Everyone is being discipled. Who's discipling you? All right. The next section there, um, we, we read it on, uh, on Easter. It says um, in verse 7, verse, verse 7 says, Strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. Strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. Um, we know that our that our shepherd is Jesus. And this is sort of a prophecy that pointed toward um, when Jesus was arrested and crucified, right? And we read in the New Testament that when that happened, that everyone forsook him and fled. When he was crucified on the cross, none of his followers, maybe a two or three, were there. Everyone else had forsook him and fled. So this prophecy, remember, points toward Jesus but it also sort of speaks to our condition today, right? And I, when I read those verses, again, I, I just feel like Christianity today is taking kind of a beating. Um, the, the news, the media doesn't really present it um, in a great way, especially here um, in this part of the country. But it's true. The church is scattered. The church is scattered. We're scattered um, there's, there's deconstruction, there's politics, there's polarization. Um, we have personal experience with all of those things, right? We've all felt that loss and division and separation. I think the pandemic, too, has scattered us in a new way. Um, there's, you know, even, even today as I look around the room, our room's not full today as it has been um, with the new um, rise in cases. And, and the pandemic has scattered us as well. I think of some other consequences, some other reasons why our current condition is a condition of being scattered. Um, sometimes we have, uh, like Paul reminded us uh, last week, I think, or the week before, that we have um, imperfect leaders. And sometimes it's hard to follow um, 
a leader who's made a mistake or, or to, to trust a new leader after you've been burned by one and that scattered us. The same thing happens with the, those around us. Maybe it's happened with me or with you or with a person next to you, those you've loved. Sometimes our interpretation of scripture is, is a reason for separating. And that's okay. But sometimes I think we make a bigger deal out of smaller issues that we don't want to hang out and engage in and stay together. Sometimes we just want to be with people who are more like us. And that scatters us further. Maybe you believe that, that our church should be doing more of this one thing and less of another thing. And so I want to leave, and, and that scatters us as well. And sometimes even technology, I think, has scattered us in a way as well. Um, we can get online. We can listen to a, a sermon or attend a church that's in another state, right? And we're scattered even further. I think it's important for us to try to stay together, right? Jesus prays that we may be one. That we may be how many? That we may be one. That's right. Jesus prays that we may be one. And he created us differently intentionally and said that we need each other, right? We read that in Corinthians as well. The parts of the body, we need each other. Hebrews 10 reminds us that we should gather together, right? that we should gather together. I wanted to just take a second and, and just highlight the, the Solano health team. Um, the health team is, is Dave Monk and Paul Nunez and Nicole Iwawaki. And um, I've just had sort of a, a front row seat to, the, to the, <laughs> the work that they have to do. And we have another, you know, COVID is, is surging again a little bit. And I don't, know, I don't know if you know how many different opinions there are about COVID in our congregation, I can tell you, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, that everyone has an opinion, right? And everyone feels pretty strongly about it. And I love what the Solano Health Team has done um, because you can't please all of those people, right? There's, it's so different. They're moving too fast or too slow or too casual or too strict, um, all of those things all of the time, and, and I really feel like the Solano Health Team, they got together, instead of making a decision, they made a decision about how they'll make decisions, right? And they not only are, are trying to honor the different viewpoints of the folks in our church and honor the guidelines that the government has set, but they're really using scriptural principles to do all of those things. And so I think the Solano Health Team is an example of taking some different perspectives that could easily scatter us and easily divide us. And they're saying we want to hold to these scriptural principles. And even when we disagree, we want to stay together and give grace to each other. And so I just applaud the Solano Health Team, and I applaud us for hanging in there also when we disagree when things aren't exactly like we think they should be. Um, this is an example of what it means to be one even when we're different. I know um, for you, 
Um, I, I, I know for me, I don't know if it is for you, but I'm the kind of guy that just like gets annoyed by things or, or say, oh, that's not how I would have done it or that's not how I would have um, arranged that song. That's not how I like it. That's not how I would have preached through that passage in scripture. That's not how I would have done those announcements. Um, it's really easy for me to be picky about those things. And yet, um, Jesus prays that we would be one, that we would value our differences. So let's put a value on, on unity, on gathering together. Um, let's put a, a value on bearing with each other, seeing our need for each other. All right, the last section here. Um, in verse 8, it says, Two-thirds will be cut off and perish, and one-third shall be left alive. And I will put this third into the fire and refine them as one refined silver and test them as gold is tested. Um, so I, I was um, a science teacher for many years, and so this is very exciting to me. A little bit of science in the Old Testament. There's a lot of science in the Old Testament, actually. Um, and so uh, I, I loved thinking about this part. I loved watching videos about refining silver. They're all like, don't try this at home. Um, there, there's some, some nasty, nasty chemicals um, needed for it. But the refining of silver and gold, we've heard of 14 karat gold, 18 karat gold, 24 karat gold, right? And you've probably heard of sterling silver, um, which I learned is about 92% silver. Or um, silver dollars. I don't know if you, do you know about silver dollars? Um, I, 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 I have silver dollars. Okay, good. <laughs> America has a thing called silver dollars. Um, we don't use them very much. Um, but I, I, ha I have kind of a, a silver dollar collection. And the old silver dollars, like from the early 1900s, are about 90% silver. So, um, so there's, there's about 10% to go. And then the newer silver dollars, much, much less. I actually, actually brought a couple um, silver dollars. I have an, an old one. This is a, um, I think it's called a Morgan dollar, um, which was um, given to me by my great-grandmother, um, Erna Wirtz. And, uh, and then I have another Eisenhower dollar here. There they are right there. Um, and, and these are silver dollars, but they're not pure silver. They look like silver, right? But they're not pure silver. And, and I had to also go back to, um, to my science teaching days because um, there's also silver in, in different chemicals. There's even silver in um, like a, a clear liquid that, that has silver in it. Can you just go to that next slide, Alan? Oh, can you go back? Just so it, before it starts... You. All right, all right, go back, go back, go back. I'll, I'll explain first. Oh, you paused it, great. All right, so, so that liquid is something called silver nitrate. Silver nitrate. So it's got silver in it, but is it silver? It doesn't look like silver at all, right? It's got silver in it, but it's lost all of its properties. It's not a solid, it's not a metal, it's not shiny anymore. It's silver nitrate. And there's a single replacement reaction where you can put copper in, and the copper will replace the silver, and you'll get copper nitrate and silver. So this is a time lapse. All right, Alan, you can run it. <laughs> 
So there's, this, is, this takes place like over an hour. But you can see the silver forming there on the copper, and that liquid is turning blue. It's blue, and that's the copper nitrate. So you're going to get copper nitrate and silver. And I was just thinking about both of these examples. I was thinking about you know, the 90% dollar that's 90% silver, and then I'm thinking about this liquid that doesn't look like silver at all. And I can kind of identify both of these because God is comparing us to silver, right? And I think sometimes, you know, in my life, I present as silver, right? I present as a Christian, and you think, oh, yeah, he's, he's doing, he's good, he's, he's a Christian, he's solid. But there's things in my life that God is working to get out of me, right? Because he's refining me. And I think there's other times in my life where I completely blend in when I don't look like silver at all. I don't look like a Christian at all. And God is working with me on that as well. And, and I want to be clear here. God loves us both ways. He loves us as we are. But he says he's refining us. He's refining us when we look and act and talk like Christians but have some things that are impure about us. And maybe when we're not looking like or living like Christians, he's pulling that out of us. He's pulling us out of that state and bringing us into that pure state of silver. I think about that, that refining process. I was watching the videos and there's just like tons of heat and there's acid and chlorine gas toxic things. Like, it doesn't really sound like a pleasant process, right, to be refined, especially, especially that last 10%. So I just wonder, what is God doing in your life today that's refining you? How are you living or presenting here at Solano, outside, what is God doing in your life to refine you? I want to say the same thing about our church, about us here. How is he refining us? How is he working in this group or in the big church? How is he refining that right now? I think there's some good but uncomfortable things that are happening, right? And so we need to receive that and understand what God's doing in our lives. All right. So let's go back to the beginning. All right. So we talked about um, we talked about cutting off the, the the coming kingdom, right? We talked about cutting off of idols and cutting out the false prophets and being on guard for that. Um, when Jesus was crucified. For our sins, um, everyone left him and the church was scattered. His people were scattered. And now we kind of see a scattered church as well. And God is working um, in us, those of us who remain here, he's working in us to refine us as well. So every time we read the Old Testament, like we're doing today, we're going to learn about God. 
We're going to learn about ourselves, and we're going to see a story that points to Jesus. So you have two minutes. You're going to talk to your partner. See if you can come up with one thing about the character of God, one thing we learn about ourselves, and one part of this chapter that points to Jesus. Ready? All right, maybe 30 seconds. Thanks, everybody, for playing along. We're going to close up here. Um, some of the things that I saw about God, um, not a comprehensive list, but I know that he hates the influence of idols and false prophets in our lives. He's going to cut them out. I learned that he's refining us. I learned that he will answer us when we call. He calls us his people. About myself, I learned that we're vulnerable um, I tend to wander and divide. I think I see that we're stronger together, but we need a shepherd. I learned that I'm being refined of my impurities. And the parts of the story that point to Jesus, we see that our shepherd, he's our shepherd. He was stricken for us. Um, in the kingdom that Jesus brings, there'll be no more idols or false prophets. Um, again, he's the shepherd that we need. Um, and he was tested and tried, 
um, like we were, like we are, yet without sin. I'm going to read the end of this here again in verse 9. And I will put this third into the fire and refine them as one refines silver and test them as gold is tested. They will call upon my name and I will answer them. I will say, they are my people. And they will say, let's say this part together, the Lord is my God. Lord, thank you for... um, this chapter, this little chapter in this little book, um, Lord, we believe that, that you, you've put it there for us um, and that, uh, that it's good for us to read it, talk about it together, struggle through it, um, all the things. Lord, would you help us to be discerning with the influences in our lives? Would you help us to strive for unity to express the, the unity of the one body, um, both here at Solano and, and out, outside. And Lord, would you continue to refine us, refine us as individuals, refine us as a church body. Um, Lord, th- these things are uncomfortable for us, and yet um, we want to be more like Jesus. And so would you continue that work in us um, today? Lord, we thank you, we love you, we worship you, we praise you, we bless you. Would you bless our time and bless your word in our hearts uh, today? It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.